0: Welcome to the Campus Christian Fellowship Podcast for the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Northern Iowa. So, last week we just kind of touched upon the very beginning of um, 1st Corinthians. I basically just kind of did a a rough intro. We went through the first like nine verses of 1st Corinthians. So it's Paul's introduction where he says, hey, I'm Paul and I'm writing to the church in Corinth. And then he puts out this prayer for the church where he just kind of starts laying down some general like this is the stuff that I'm kind of going to be talking about. And then there's a little passage that we're actually going to skip over that's verses 10 through 16 um, and then he kind of starts bringing up the issue of divisions that they have within the church and that the church needs to have unity and those kind of things and actually next week we're kind of going to talk more about that unity section so I'm going to pull some of that stuff in next week so we're not skipping over it because like it's too hard to talk about it or I don't want to talk about it we're just skipping over because like thematically it fits better next week than it does this week and tonight we're going to talk about wisdom. Um, So a reminder, we've kind of gone with the heading of a new lens. And because that's like Paul's kind of device that he uses, where he introduces problems that's happening in the church in Corinth. And then he says, we're going to apply a lens, the lens of the gospel, and we're going to look through that to see your problems kind of in a new way. And it's going to look different as you look through this gospel lens. So every time that Paul brings up a problem, he applies the gospel lens, and he says, let's look at it in this way. And uh, what we're going to talk about tonight is Paul's take on wisdom and kind of what, what that means. So let's just jump in with a little bit of text here. Um, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 17 through 19 first. And then we're kind of going to cover some other parts of the text later on. We're going all the way through the end of chapter 2 tonight. 1 Corinthians 1, 17 to 19. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And that with words of eloquent wisdom lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. So by way, Paul starts to get maybe a little confusing. This is actually kind of 17. It's kind of the bridge between that previous couple of verses and the next point that he was going to make. Because he's been talking about division and and he's saying so what what is it that unites us what what puts us in common he's like i could be preaching baptism and be paying a lot of attention to that and that was one of the issues that they had they had the disagreement like whose baptism is more important is it paul's baptism is it Paul's baptism is it and so they had all these issues like is it the person that baptizes you matter is that the person you're supposed to follow is that this person you're supposed to always listen to and so they were using that to create divisions and so paul says it's not it's not about baptism it's about Christ, and Christ unites us because of his death on the cross. And so he kind of points right away to the cross of Christ being that uniter, that thing. Another part I want to point out is where he talks about not with words of eloquent wisdom. Um, and I, I would argue that right here, Paul's actually kind of making a somewhat ironic statement. Because, like I've said, the more that I've studied and peeled back kind of the layers and the things that are going on in 1 Corinthians... Paul is incredibly wise and intelligent, and and he puts a lot of effort into the words that he's crafting. So he's got these carefully crafted, I would argue, eloquent words that he's putting together. And he's kind of using that as a statement to say, "Well, I'm crafting all these eloquent things, I'm doing it to say that you don't need to be eloquent. And so he's making a point by crafting the statement and saying that's not where it's at. That's not where the truth is found. Yeah, I'm taking the effort, and I'm doing it in this way, and I think the Greeks and the Jews who were the original ones reading this letter would recognize that. It's more apparent if you study the Greek language and you kind of know what's going on and you know like Jewish literary forms, which I'm going to try to illuminate a little bit. Maybe not so much tonight because there's other material that I have to cover. But we're gonna to try to get into that this semester and realize that Paul's doing this incredible like wordsmanship, words crafting, like almost artistic, in, in this letter that he's composing. And yet he's using it to say, eloquence doesn't matter. I'm gonna be so eloquent in order to say that eloquence isn't important. The cross of Christ, that's what's important. And it makes the wisdom of the wise look foolish. But to you who's being saved it's, it's the power of God And so I, I want to share with you a little bit about, about Corinth we, we got a little bit of background last week. I'm going to give you some more background and some more uh, kind of cultural study of the city of Corinth that Paul would have encountered at this time and Corinth was a place of it was it was multicultural there was a lot of like cultures intersecting. it's a place of great trade it's a really important city. But you see Corinth right there is actually really close to Athens, and it's on this little part of land there that's known as an isthmus, for those of you that are geographically minded. Uh, That's that little bit of land that's in between these two major bodies of water. And so, uh, sorry, I'm going to try to not nerd out too much on history. There's like a bunch of people that always tried to dig a canal across the isthmus of Corinth, and for a long time they just said, it's cursed. If anybody tries to do that, like immediately after starting they die. Like Nero tried to do it and soon after died. Claudius tried to do it and soon after he died. Like all these people tried to build canals across where Corinth is in order to link up all these trading routes and they weren't able to do it. And the best they could come up with is they had this like pebble lined road where people would drag ships across the isthmus. That's the best they ended up getting. I think now, modern day, there actually is a canal there. They finally were able to build one. We have some modern engineering things that we can you know, figure out do a little bit better than they could back in ancient times. But Corinth is a really significant and important place, and it's pretty close to Athens. And so there's a lot of bleed over from Athens and, and a lot of similar things to Corinth. So what do you guys know about Athens? It's, it's, it's a place of high learning. It's a place of great intelligence and all these people, scholars that would sit around. It's where you know, Socrates and Aristotle and Plato and all those dudes kind of made their hay. Because everybody in Athens wants to know what's, what's the new thing, what's the big philosophy, what's the new learning. And they would just sit around and they would learn all day. And they would do that because they were pretty well off. They were really important Greek city-states. They had a lot of money. And so there's one thing that happens when you have a lot of money. You, happen, you tend to have more free time on your hands. Um, because instead of doing all the things that you need to do to like, you know, grow food and take care of your family and those kind of things, you just pay other people to take care of those things and then you just kind of live it up. And so, especially in ancient times, but I think we can see that somewhat today, the people, uh, that are allowed to sit around and discuss philosophy are those that are privileged or those that have had a pretty easy life. And so they have that opportunity to be people of learning. And so that's what they did in Athens but also, those people, they would do that in Corinth, and Corinth kind of caught that fire, and they said, let's be a place that's of high-mindedness and, and learning and importance, and let's sit around. And so we're going to go to now a couple slides, to a fun little quote. Uh, I very rarely get to quote ancient Greek literature, but I'm going to do that tonight. Uh, this is from a guy known as Dio Chrysostom. Uh, this is in Discourses. He was born around AD 40, so he would have been walking around Corinth pretty close to the time that Paul was, maybe like a decade or two later, but enough that I think this speaks a lot about the culture of Corinth. And so he's, this, he's describing a scene that he saw of Corinth during what's called the Isthmian Games, which is essentially like the Olympic Games that they would host around Greece, except this is like their local regionalized version of it. Maybe it was a like the early round of the Olympics, and then you got to go to Athens and do all the cool stuff. I don't know. But anyway, this is what Dio Chrysostom says about walking around Corinth. Crowds of wretched sophists around Poseidon's temple, shouting and reviling one another, and their disciples, as they were call, fighting with one another. Many writers reading aloud their stupid works, many poets reciting their poems while others applauded them, many jugglers showing their tricks, many fortune tellers interpreting fortunes, lawyers innumerable perverting judgment, and peddlers, not a few, peddling whatever they happened to have. This is a bustling metropolis. This is a huge city where people are just kind of sitting around. There's people entertaining. There's people trying to sell wares. There's lawyers arguing all over the place and trying to keep justice from being done because that's what lawyers do. Uh, There's poets who are reciting poetry when everybody's like, shut up, we don't care about poetry. And then there's these philosophers that are arguing in the streets. Corinth is a place where the people gather to have intelligent discussion. It is a place that's marked by its wisdom. And so that's one of the things that t- Paul touches upon, and he hits right at the heart. I think of Corinth, and he says, "You guys are all about your wisdom, but you know what happens with the cross of Christ? It makes the wise wisdom seem foolish, and, and it, it just it, it messes with things." Makes, and so, try to about Paul. Paul Paul did these missionary journeys. He traveled around. A lot of Greece and parts of Asia and in uh, Italy and Rome and like around Europe and Jerusalem and all these all these places. Paul went around quite a bit, which was really impressive back then. You know, had to do ships or walk, and it's crazy. But when Paul was on one missionary journey, his first time in Corinth, the place where he was right before he was in Corinth was Athens. And when he's in Athens, he's actually invited to argue at Mars Hill, which is kind of like the big main important place it's where everyone would gather to hear the philosophies of the day if you get invited to mars hill it means you're something and people want to listen to you and paul when he's in athens he is actually invited to speak at mars hill and what does paul do when he's there he presents the gospel that's what paul does when he's pretty much anywhere Um, He actually has this kind of well-known speech. I'm pretty sure this is in Athens, and I'm pretty sure this is the Mars Hill speech, where he talks about, all you guys are worshiping this unknown God. I saw a statue the other day walking around and said, to an unknown God. Well, let me tell you, I know who this unknown God is. And then he starts to tell them the gospel and tell them about Jesus and says, you've been worshiping this unknown God, but here's who he really is. Let me tell you about him. And Paul gives this argument. The interesting thing that happens in Athens, which is kind of rare for Paul, is that he doesn't start a church there. He doesn't plant a church there. He gets an in, he starts talking with the philosophers, he gets kind of known, he gets invited to this really important place. But he doesn't start a church there. Now there's a lot of things that end up happening in Athens, and I think there was a breakthrough, and that was a really good, important thing. Some people would say that Paul failed in Athens because he didn't start a church, but I don't think he did. I think he just knew, this is what I need to do right now, and then what I need to do after that is move on. And then that gives him, I think, the experience to go to Corinth, which not as impressive as Athens, but when he goes to Corinth, he goes, okay, there's a lot of intelligence here, there's a lot of wisdom here, but it seems like it's mostly just noise. It seems like these people were just kind of idly going by and trying to gain all the philosophy and all the learning and all the poetry and all the, all the things that they think are the best that Greek culture has to offer but they're missing something and it's just noise and so paul takes a kind of different route when he goes to corinth he says i'm not going to worry about those elites even though maybe it'll make me known maybe it will get me invited to the coolest places maybe i'll get to speak at the at the at the really important auditorium in corinth but i don't want that i want to see people come to christ and so in corinth he starts talking to the dock workers he starts talking to the people that this is a port city that are working on the ships that are that are that are cleaning up that are just your common everyday average people. And he says, this is where I'm gonna plant the church. Because these people need the gospel. Yeah, it's cool to save the, the really important people in the city, and maybe that would make me well known, or maybe that would be a neat thing. But I feel like here God wants me to go to the people people. And so Paul starts then uh, telling these people that he's now planted a church and This letter is written after that journey. He'd already planted the church. It was going, and then it started becoming a mess because anytime people were involved with anything, it becomes a mess. And so Paul starts giving them advice, and so he writes to them in, in chapter 2. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God, lofty speech, or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear, much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul, when he gets to Corinth, looks around and says, There's a lot of intelligent, wise noise. But it's not the power of God. Now, I want to put a little bit of a pin in this and say, the point of this passage is not to put down or decry like wisdom or intelligence or study or anything like that. For one, that would be a really dumb thing to say to a bunch of college students because clearly you guys are here to like gain knowledge and stuff. Um, that's not what I'm saying to you. But what I think Paul is saying is within this is that. There's wisdom of this world, and there are ways that that can be used. But there's things that's way more important, and that's the wisdom about Christ, and that's the wisdom that comes from God. And that's what I want you guys to grab hold of. Stop chasing after everything that everyone else in your city is chasing after. This wisdom that ends up leading to just a bunch of idle time figuring out the cool things of the day. Grab a hold of the wisdom that changes lives. The wisdom of Christ crucified, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom that comes from God. Grab onto that. Let it transform your life. Because there is something to note about Paul. I think he was incredibly intelligent. Um, I think there are times in his life where he essentially functions as a professor. They didn't have they had philosophers, and Paul wouldn't have taken probably that title because there has there's a lot of like secular pagan weight that comes with being a, a philosopher in that day. But I think we can make a pretty strong argument that at times Paul's a professor and he's sitting and he's teaching classes and he's writing these really long notes that he's compiling that he then turns into letters that he writes to churches and he gives advice and, and he's studying and he's knowing and he's in, he's interpreting culture and he's taking, taking in all of these things. And I think Paul, like, like I said, as you dig through the letters there's all of this like literary devices where he's got these like ring composition and things, and there's like these other forms that are known as like a high jump form. I'm just touching upon stuff that maybe we'll have time to cover at a future date. Um, But it's just these really cool literary devices where he's pointing to even more of what's going on and tying things together, and he's quoting... Greek philosophers because he wants to reach the Jews so he's using Hebrew literary forms and he wants to reach the Greek and so he's quoting a speech by Pericles and he's quoting uh, like Aristotle's philosophy and, and all kinds of those things and he's making reference to those so the Greeks and the Jews are both coming to his letter and that they're reading it at the same time and hitting upon the same ways because it's reaching them in their cultures. It's incredible the way that Paul puts these letters together and he doesn't do that He doesn't use this letter to say be against wisdom and be against intelligence and don't pursue all those things because he used all of those things to write this letter. What he's saying is if that is your end goal and if that is all that you orient your life towards, it's going to be a waste and you're going to miss out on what the gospel message is for you. And you're going to miss the life transforming that happens. And you're going to miss the opportunity to transform others' lives and to pour the gospel into it. And so Paul takes that gospel lens and says, when you look at wisdom, make sure that you put a priority on the wisdom that comes from God. Because in the end, that's what matters most. All this other wisdom has value. It's a resource. It's a tool. It's something that God will use to put you in positions to reach people that that otherwise couldn't be reached there's a lot of really intelligent people that don't know god that aren't going to know god unless someone else who's really intelligent introduces him to them that's what the gospel is about and so paul contains on his letter let's look through uh six and we're eventually going to read through 13 yet among the mature we do impart wisdom although it's not a... the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away who impart secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Let's continue on 10 to 13. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts? except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So the idea behind... Of I think Paul saying all those things about wisdom is that also it's that, it's that element of the wisdom being exclusively for the elite and for the rich and for the people that have idle time and Paul also I think he's wanting to say wisdom the right kind of wisdom is for everybody and it's not imparted by having all this idle free time and sitting around discussing philosophy and it's, it's imparted by the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit doesn't discriminate. The Holy Spirit doesn't care where you were born, who your parents are, what culture you grew up in, what skin tone you are, what gender you are. The Holy Spirit will work through everybody. What it takes is you saying, God, show me. God, I want to know. God, give me your Holy Spirit and let me see the things that, that otherwise I couldn't see. Let me see people the way that you see them. Let me have a heart for this world like you have a heart for this world. Teach me how to love like you love. Teach me how to live like Christ lived. The Holy Spirit work through me so that I can do those things. So the Corinthian church, I think Paul is speaking to them and saying, the gospel is for you. The Holy Spirit it's for you, it's a gift, it's a tool, it's a resource it's how you get this godly wisdom and this is what you use to transform lives this is what you use to to help there not be such a mess in your church to not be such a mess in your city to to make things either to make things better because the gospel doesn't discriminate the Holy Spirit doesn't discriminate God's for all And so I think that's what Paul has to tell us about wisdom. That we have the opportunity to have it. It doesn't matter what our IQ is. It doesn't matter um, if we feel like we're mentally healthy and have it all together. It doesn't matter what our past is. If we've had sin or we've had doubt or confusion or whatever. Um, maybe you just heard of who the heck the Holy Spirit is and you're going, I'm, What? What's this Holy Spirit thing? We'll try to talk about that some more.
1: There's a lot of things
0: about Scripture that's confusing. But God teaches you that wisdom. He gives you things. And sometimes it's in the form of, like, preachers and people talking in front of you. I I like to think that the Holy Spirit works through me when I speak on Tuesday nights. Um, Sometimes it's through friends. Sometimes it's through Scripture. Sometimes it's through prayer. Sometimes it's through God just saying, wake up. This is what you need to do. I don't know exactly how the Holy Spirit works, but one of the things that we're doing with these spiritual experiments that we've been uh, kind of talking to you guys about on Tuesday nights is we're going to try to explore some of those different ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to people. And and hopefully we can latch on to some things that you can use not only now, but in the future. And use that to see how is God teaching me? How is God showing me how to be wise and, and how to how to live like Christ lived.